This is what a typical middle school classroom looks like in South Korea. So the students don't have traditional lockers like in America, so they keep their backpacks right there on that hook. They also have small lockers in the back of the classroom where they keep any extra books or anything that they might need throughout the day. Welcome to the podcast radio show for teachers by a teacher. I'm your host, Brian, and I welcome you to the program. I realize a lot of teachers this time of year, they're burned out, they're tired. They realize, you know, how much longer can I do this? I can't take it anymore. Could international teaching be for you? We're going to talk to a young lady who made that decision and what's it been like for her? What are some of the assets of teaching overseas? What are some of the liabilities? We're going to explore all sorts of differences and similarities between the two cultures in the education system. And I know you're going to find this interesting. You know, a lot of teachers, we sit in our classrooms and we complain and we vent and we whine about how awful the principal is. The kids are terrible year after year. Very rarely do you see teachers making lifestyle changes to improve their situation. Well, our guest Carrie did make some changes. In fact, she made some drastic lifestyle changes and decided to go teach English in Korea. She's got some fascinating stories to tell us and some experiences to share. With Carrie, how's it going? It's going all right. Brian, thank you for having me. What in the world possessed you to take this journey to go and teach in Korea? A few reasons. I heard about teaching abroad from a friend of my brother's almost a year ago. He taught for several years in Vietnam. And this past January, I was working a job that I really wasn't enjoying. And I thought about what this guy had told me about teaching in Vietnam. It was easy and it paid all right. And it gave you the opportunity to live in a place you might not have the chance otherwise. So I started looking into that and I found out that teaching in Korea is easy and pays well. And you have the opportunity to live in a place you've never lived before. Why did you pick Korea? Korea is the most westernized Asian country, arguably, in high pay rate. In Korea, I live on maybe $100 to $125 a week, and I get paid quite a bit more than that. I'm not paying rent on my apartment. My utilities are very low. And like I said, I only use $100 to $125 a month. So it's very cheap to live here, and they treat you very nicely. I got a ton of questions I want to ask about your lifestyle and what all you've experienced in your first month or so over there. Uh, take us back to when you're here in the United States. You decide you want to go to Korea. You're, you're checking it out. Uh, what steps did you have to take? I decided to use a recruiter to find a job. I sent an application to multiple recruiters who all contacted me and told me that I needed several things in order to get my E2 visa, which is a teacher's visa. Right. You need a criminal background check issued by a police department. You need your passport, two copies of a university transcript, many passport size photos. Did you have to take any classes on the Korean culture or anything while you were here before you left? No, not at all. In fact, many people who are already here don't know anything about Korea when they step off the plane. They know who to look for at the airport. 
is basically just someone holding a sign with your name, if you're even lucky enough to have that. Recruiter that I settled with has a driver that they use for everyone. So it's someone that they trust, someone they know will be there, and someone they know isn't going to like sweep you up into the night and you'll never be heard from again. Man, his name is Mr. Kim. He picked me up at the airport, took me to my apartment. It was maybe 10 o'clock at night here when I landed. I was lucky in that I actually looked up a lot of information about Korea and Korean culture before I even got on the plane because I wanted to know what I was getting myself into. So I knew where to find a lot of the entertainment value. I knew where to find a lot of the uh, parks. I knew where to find temples that I would want to visit, how to get to my school from my apartment, which is very important. How difficult was it to make the transition? Seoul is a major city, and if you can get past not understanding anyone and not being able to read right away, then it's just like adjusting to any city, really. You learn how to use the subway, and in the subway, they make all the announcements in Korean and English. So it's not like you have to adjust to the language really quickly. Many people speak English around here. So if you get desperately lost, you can ask someone and odds are they can help you. I'm still supposedly in my honeymoon phase. I love it here. There's a lot of negative factors to Korea, just like anywhere else. You do see a little bit of xenophobia anywhere you go. I've been turned away from restaurants and taxis have actually pulled up to me, seeing that I am a foreigner and driven away. So you do see some xenophobia. Is it that you're a foreigner or that maybe you're an American? Is it just foreigners in general? They assume all foreigners are American unless they are told otherwise. Right. And it's part of having a military base here, right. U.S. base. So kind of guarded. I think the Korean people are a very courteous, but I agree that they are guarded. They have had a lot of trauma, and so they don't trust easily, but they're open to the idea of trusting people. What was your reaction to how the kids treated you and, and what was on those first day of class? The first day of class, a lot of the kids were very shy, and it's because they were afraid of making a mistake. And how old are these kids? These kids are 9 to 11 years old. The fifth graders and the sixth graders. Okay. Five different classes of fifth graders and six different classes of sixth graders. Many Koreans know but don't speak English because they are afraid of making mistakes and they don't want to embarrass themselves. So it's the same with the kids. They know English, but they are afraid of making mistakes. And so they don't say anything safer. What was going on in your head as far as when you stepped in the classroom? I was freaking out. <laughs> I was very nervous and excited. And my first three days, I only observed so that I could understand how the different lessons worked and what to expect during each lesson. And my first day teaching, I'm sure it was just like any other person's first day teaching. You write a lesson plan, you hope it goes well, you get up there, your palms are sweaty, you think the kids can tell you that you're freaking out, and everything goes smoothly. I mean, it was first day of any job, really. It was wonderful. Awesome. And it's overwhelming in some respects, too. When the kids have lots of questions that I can't answer because I don't understand them, then it's a little overwhelming. Uh, they've learned that can get by 
speaking Korean in an English class because one of the teachers always speaks Korean. So it's been a little overwhelming trying to understand them sometimes. I have a co-teacher and she speaks Korean, but she sometimes doesn't even tell me what they're saying. Do all the English teachers have an interpreter? If you work in a public school, then you have a co-teacher. And you're supposed to work together with your co-teacher to teach lessons. If you work in a academy or after-school academies, they're called hagwons. If you work in a hagwon, you are usually on your own. You have on your Facebook page a video about the students singing to you, and you had yes. no idea what they said. Let me play that for our audience real quick. <laughs> was for Teacher's Day, and all the students bring gifts for their teachers. And so every class they came in, I received cards or flowers, and then they would all come in and sit down. And then one of them would say, Hana, dul, set, which is one, two, three. And they would all stand up and sing. A lot of times in this country, we hear about students not caring, teachers are just babysitters, and education's being trash. Do you feel like Korean students have a better appreciation of education than your opinion? It's from one extreme to the other. The Korean education system is a little flawed in and of itself, but their drive to learn is so strong. They're willing to do anything in order to get that education. So the kids you see in this video, many of them go to school from nine o'clock in the morning to three o'clock in the afternoon. And then after school, they go to these hagwons, the after-school learning academies, where they are drilled in English, science, mathematics, Korean, from four or five o'clock in the afternoon to 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. These children have no lives outside of learning sometimes. It's very hard for them. You have your students who don't do their homework, which gets blamed on going to Hagwon. And you have students who fall asleep in class. And you have your good students who raise their hand and learn and want to be there. It's the same dynamics as when I remember being in elementary school. They learn the same basic things, social studies, mathematics, art, music, my fifth graders are currently learning to play the recorder, which I vaguely remember learning in fourth or fifth grade. Uh, they're pretty impressive, too. I can hear them playing different classical composers on their recorders. It's amazing. They like doing the same things. They have field days where they did relay races and jump rope competitions and all kinds of other crazy games. They go on a lot of field trips and they do a lot of testing there's countrywide testing, just like in the United States, regional-wide testing, and then the school-wide testing. And they test fairly often, several days out of every month they test. And they still find time for PE, art, music, and field trips. They also get every Wednesday afternoon off from school. So it's amazing that they still have time to do all the things they want. I don't work really any afternoons. I teach usually from nine o'clock in the morning to one thirty. sometimes a little bit later. Most afternoons I can work on lesson plans. It's 
nice. I like it a lot. I think the teachers here are held in a lot higher respect than they are in the United States. The children had an open class day on Wednesday. And so parents were coming into the classrooms and watching the teachers teach. Afterwards, the fifth grade teachers decided to go see a movie. So we left during school hours and saw a movie. Then we went home. Um, Other teachers went out and had barbecue or went to a nature preserve. They are also taking us to a casino in July as a thank you for a good semester. So I think teachers here are more respected than they are in the United States. A lot of times you hear teachers complaining about classroom management over here, just out of control classes. Do you find that you have to be really strict over there? Every once in a while, you do have to tell a student to pay attention or give them some sort of discipline action. For the most part, the students are very good and a quick look at me or look at this or clapping my hands will get their attention and keep them focused. So at this point of your journey, do you feel like you made the right decision? Absolutely. I feel like being here has given me an opportunity to see a country I probably would not have visited on a vacation. And I feel like it's also given me a little bit more of an insight into what I would like to do for the rest of my life. I definitely love teaching. I love my job and I love these kids. They're fabulous. I think it's just been a great opportunity. I want to thank my special guests from overseas, Carrie, to share a little bit about what life is like when you make the jump to go overseas and teach internationally. It certainly sounds like it would be quite the experience and maybe something some of you might want to ponder. 